They want to hear your story. Well, how did this guy get there? And if he can do it, you know, maybe I can too. I needed that rush from the outside. And I was looking to that, you know, with, with all types of shiny objects, let's say, but um, drugs and alcohol were certainly a big part of that. It takes something catastrophic or something tragic to happen for us to take a step back and look in the mirror. I had an accidental overdose. Three days in ICU and a coma was where I landed. And uh, I came through that. Brian Coons, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here, Adrian. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to talk to you for so many reasons, because maybe we could use this as my coaching session. Just kidding. But you are a stress coach, a mindfulness coach, and a meditation coach. And I cannot tell you, those are like the three things people are so hyper-focused on um, sort of obtaining the skill set to do. And you're doing all three of them. So bravo and kudos to you. How did, can I ask you how you landed here? <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. And all three of those are really intertwined together. So it's, uh, you know, it's, there's not much separation between the three, but for me, it was joining the Mindfulness Center back in 2013. And this was after something happened in my life, a catastrophic event in my life where I realized uh, it was a wake up call, sort of a, a, a the door of awareness opened. And I'm like, okay, well, there's something going on. I've been doing some work. I've been doing some meditation before that uh, for a few years, dabbling, you know, it, it, which doesn't really get you there. I went to the Mindfulness Center and I've been there under Dr. Stefan Travaux ever since and part of his uh, Mindsight Mastermind. So through that process, I started to um, meditate regularly with proper techniques and learned all about the, the mindfulness world. And then over time, it just started to change me so much that, you know, that, and I realized that, uh, and, you know, before that healing meant a broken nose or broken knuckles or broken bones, but I realized that I had a lot of other healing to do from the inside. And through that process, I just started to change. I started to, you know, the strength was still there and maybe even more so, but um, that that vibration had changed and people noticed. And then through that, I just started helping people organically. And then it's uh, kind of evolved to, to where I'm at right now. I love that. And you know what? Those are the best stories of being an entrepreneur. And of course, now, you know, you've piqued my interest because, you know, one of my businesses is being a private investigator if you don't want to talk about it, you get to tap out, but can I ask you, and I love, we're going to touch on everything you just said, but I want to go back to your story because I think everybody has that moment of, you want to call it your aha moment, your clarity moment or the moment. And it's, it's unfortunate that for some of us, myself included, it takes something catastrophic or something tragic to happen for us to take a step back and look in the mirror, Right. Can I ask you what that that was for you? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've, because I've unpacked this a lot since, I can kind of lead up to the story a little bit. But yes. a lot of this was just childhood trauma initially. So uh, it was just a feeling within myself um, of not being whole, not being good enough, um, feeling not feeling a, a sense of love or safety at certain points in my life. And that translated into some anger and other emotions into my 20s. And um, so I'm an engineer and actually I was working in corporate for a number of years and had some success and then became an entrepreneur 
um, and had some early success there, almost to my detriment, because I was given a lot of space and I needed that external validation. I needed that rush from the outside. And I was looking to that, you know, with, with all types of shiny objects, let's say, but um, drugs and alcohol were certainly a big part of that. Right. And um, I was going, you know, really risky with my behavior. I was going deep into some of the, the party scenes and things. And um, this continued throughout my 30s, almost into my late 30s. Uh, as I mentioned, I did start to feel an emptiness, you know, in between that. I was feeling anxious, I'm feeling depressed. Um, I was really feeling just like empty and my emotional intelligence at that time was not very high and so just through that risky behavior uh i had an accidental overdose and um this happened very close to the birth of my first child so two big big things in my life first of all the overdose made me realize that you're not invincible um that there's just something you know i have to i'll just say this like for me self-love is my mission for myself in life and you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling that for myself and I was pushing myself to those limits, but then, you know, having the, the, the birth of my first child, suddenly there was something bigger than myself, you know, and that became my why to continue to do the work. So having the opportunity, uh, for a second chance, three days in ICU and a coma was where I landed. And, uh, I came through that. And I came through that with humility and greater awareness. And then combined with my why, I've really gone all in. And, you know, part of the, the mission that I have now is to help people avoid the catastrophic event or something yes. breaking, you know, and where stress is concerned, for example, many people aren't even aware that they're chronically stressed until something breaks in their in their health. So it's just one of those things that my story has been kind of a... Uh, uh, the, the the catalyst to helping others but that's what it took for me and finally I let go of all these concepts and all these ego built things that I created for myself and began to really do that work internally I love that and I love your story I'm making jot notes in case you think I'm texting I'm because there's so many things you touched on and I love hearing your story um you know you said a few things it sounds like you're saying you, you know, it's best to be, and I, we know this, like, I know this, most people know it's better to be proactive versus reactive, but I am, first of all, I want to say, I, you know, honor you for having such strength and courage, number one, to get through for your child. And I don't know if you have other children now, but that is, uh, that is just such beauty and it just shows what a good person you are and an, a, an amazing soul that you have. And the other thing that I want to touch on as well is that I think it takes a lot of courage to be able to, we were talking about this a few minutes before the podcast started. It takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there. And I think for people like yourself and definitely for people like me, you wouldn't have done this before. It doesn't matter how much drugs or alcohol you took. You had almost like, it sounds like that she, you know, the suit of armor, um, and Brene Brown talks about this all the time. You probably had that armor for when you were a little kid and then you grew up with that same armor, but it no longer served you in your, probably even in your teens, but your twenties and thirties. So you went to drugs and alcohol. So you add in childhood trauma, 
other things, and then drugs and alcohol. It's a recipe for disaster, obviously. Um, but you've overcome so much. And I love the fact that you've turned to something that has been happening for, you know, centuries before our time, which is, you know, the meditation and the mindfulness and whatnot. And you are able to sort of whatever you learned, it's funny because whenever you get really excited and passionate about something that worked for you, that's where a lot of passion businesses are built from. You want to help heal others. And I think that that's a, an absolute beautiful thing because for anybody who's listening to our podcast now, we don't know what stage they're in, in their healing. They're obviously listening to this because they're interested in what you have to say. They want to hear your story. Well, how did this guy get there? And if he can do it, you know, maybe I can too. So it, I feel like part of your journey is serving and helping others. Would that be a fair thing to say? Absolutely. That that's uh, that service to others, as we we talked a little bit about. Once I started to feel that feeling of helping other people uh, with their own struggles and their own journey, it really started to unlock more within myself. And you know, helping other people helps me continue to heal because this. This isn't a, a you know a stop and start type thing. This is a journey for this time and the and the next, uh, this lifetime and the next. And so I continue to unravel that programming and those patterns through that process. And uh, and yeah, that just feeling of giving back and the world needs. You know, I was just writing something this morning about sort of the 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 temperature, the feeling in the world right now, and with all the turmoil and conflict. And we really need collectively to raise our vibration and energy right now as a, as a species to survive. Oh, we sure do. And thank you for bringing that sort of to the forefront because with, you know, and coming out of a world pandemic, something that, you know, I don't think hopefully anybody in our lifetime will experience uh, again, um, you know, life has changed, you know, coming through on the other side so much so in good, bad, and indifferent, and, you know, even having the private investigation agency, our business increased 800%, if you can imagine, regarding family law. So, you know, unfortunately, violence, child custody, things like that. And it's, you know, we are all sort of in a state of, you know, despair, so to speak, coming out of it. So the fact that, and our healthcare, anyways, I'm not going to get into the healthcare system. I'll just table that for another podcast, but even trying to get in to, to see somebody, whether it's a therapist or whatever, for most people, they can't get in, they can't afford it, whatever the case may be. And although, you know, you run a private practice, it's, it's a lifestyle. I don't think it's sort of like a one or two off where, okay, I can fix you in three sessions. It's really, it goes back to that mindset that I feel like, as I said, when I started seeing all of your work, I'm like, like he gets it. And I think it's so important, your messaging that it's better to be proactive, like, don't wait till you're in a coma, you know, in ICU for three days, you know, let's deal with this now before your body breaks down, right? And you're really about focusing on, sorry, and you're really about focusing on the mind and everything else will follow after. Is that, would that sound like sort of what your philosophy is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you use the, the term mindset and, and in the work, I mean, there's the practices. And as you said, this isn't something that happens uh, in one or two sessions. We have to create these habits. We have to learn how to protect time 
to do this work because it's, it is work It's you know, for a lot of people, they can, they understand what it means to go to the gym, to build their body or lose weight or whatever their goal is. The mind is the same type of practice where you have to put those reps in every time your focus goes awry in your meditation and, and you just bring it back. That's a bicep curl for the brain. And over time that adds up to greater focus. And then through that process, all of a sudden you realize there's layers to this game and things start to open up it's the mind, but it's also the body. And, and, you know, the nervous system is a big part of our reaction to whatever stress triggers are out there. So working on the body as well. I mean, I just literally was in the cold plunge before this podcast. I just had a few minutes oh. to, to hop in just a, a quick nervous system reset, but there's so much we hold in the body as well, but the mind it's so important. And that 25% or so, you know, I'm, um, I work with longevity leads as well, like people who are looking to do, uh, to live for, to be 150 years old, the, what our belief is, yes, <laughs> what our belief is and how we, how we look at life. If it's happening, um, it happens for us, not to us. And, and that. that type of, uh, of feeling and connection with the mind as well, it's so important. So it's a, it's a combination of things. But there has to be a practice. And at the end of the day, people like to take that magic pill and, you know, have everything go away. But it really is work that you have to commit to. And when I mentioned my why, that's usually where I start with people as well. Like, what is your why? And every time you start to uh, to drift a little bit or, you know, you don't want to put your feet on the floor a little earlier to get up to do your practice. You know, that's your anchor to bring it back and continue putting in the in the work. I love that. And the thing is, too, you talk about the cold plunge, which I want to get back to in a moment. As you know, I'm a certified life coach through Tony, and he is just such a huge advocate for the cold plunge because it's taking you aside from whatever it does to you metabolically. It's also what it does to your mind to say, I am going to fight through this frigid cold. I don't want to get out of my warm, comfy bed. But his philosophy, and I think you're the same, is, you know, growth doesn't happen when you're comfortable, you know, sitting in your comfy bed or on the couch eating potato chips. If, you know, like you said, if you want to have a ripped body or whatever the case may be. But one thing I just did a thing with um, for the Toronto Board of Trade on mindfulness, and I was guilty of this, too. And this is I need you as the expert to speak to this. Because uh, as much as I know about it, you really are a seasoned expert and I value your opinion. I always thought meditation was, you know, you've got to drive, you know, let's just say 30, 40 minutes to a yoga studio, practice for an hour, hour and a half, leave. It's at the three, four hour event. I don't have time for that. And as I started getting into it, I realized that I can meditate in my bed or when I get out of bed and I put my two feet on the floor, or if you're sitting at your desk or in your truck or wherever you may be. So yes, ideally, it would be great to carve out that 30 minutes or 60 minutes or 180 minutes, whatever you do a day. And of course, routine and, you know, putting it into your routine is important because and sorry, just to go back to one more thing. You said something that was so important that I really need people to adapt to is, I mean, you know, as girls, we go get our nails done, our hair, our makeup. We worry sometimes about the exterior, the gym, but the mind and the the internal body, like what you're saying is what controls everything else. And so people need to put more into that. But anyways, my question about meditation is, do you feel that there's a certain amount of time people need to commit to it a day, a week? 
And if life throws you a curveball, somebody gets sick or you've got, you know, an emergency, a flood in your house, I don't know. You can still practice it for a couple of minutes here and there. Or am I wrong in saying that? No, no, absolutely. That, you know, the John Kabat-Zinn quote, uh, the real meditation is how we live our life. And with awareness, we begin to realize that moment by moment, there are opportunities to become aware, check in, how am I feeling right now? Uh, where are my thoughts physically? Where's the tension in my body? Just that quick sweep every so often is a meditative moment. There is uh, a lot of research that shows that time um, under tension in mindful or in meditation practice, uh, the 10,000 hours to mastery applies to meditation as well. So it is a time commitment thing over time. It literally reshapes your brain. The, the science on this is incredible. And they've studied meditators with up to 60,000 hours of meditation, like who, who can literally put their brain into a gamma state of bliss in just a, a, in one breath. We don't need to be there. What we need to do is just like find a way to cope with, with stress, just become a little bit more aware. So for who are busy and most people are busy, I, I often say just protect a little time in the morning because that's the opportunity before you look at your phone, before you get pulled into all the reactions of the world, just to take a look inside and just even check in, even if it's two minutes or five minutes, you know, and, and you don't need 30 or 40 or 60 minutes uh, in one session. And that's not realistic for most people. So just taking that moment, I, I call that sort of your armor of resilience, where you wake up in the morning, people are already, you know, they're releasing a little cortisol to wake up a little bit more in the morning, or a lot of people wake up at three in the morning and start worrying then. But um, just take that moment before you, you turn on the news, before you check your email and your text messages, just to go inward, put that armor of resilience on, and then come back into your day like that. And if you do that for a certain amount of days, uh, in a row, you just notice that days land in a very different place and things just start to shift. And it's a, it's a slow process. That's why meditation is really difficult for people to stick with because we like that instant gratification. But, um, you know, that's where, you know, my, that's my job and and is try to inspire people just to stick with it a little bit longer because the peace and just the ability to to overcome all of those things and, and you know you talk about resilience a lot and it's so important to become resilient to be able to we're all going to go off the path we're all going to be triggered into something that's just part of human nature the idea is how quickly do i notice and how quickly and what tools do i have to bring myself back to center and then what was the lesson and repeat and that's really the journey I love that. You make it, you simplify it, which I think is awesome. Because like you said, you see these people with, you know, 10,000 hours, very, very impressive. But you see all these people that have spent hundreds and thousands of hours um, doing this. And you, you don't need to be, let's just say, if you don't want to master it and do it for a living, you could do it because you think it's fun and it's neat. And it's very, you know, you mentioned something that I've got a big star here about self-love. It's showing yourself love by caring for your mind so if you want to do it you know knock yourself out but the thing is is you're not saying that every single person has to do that you're saying it can be simple it can be in chunks but you have to practice that and bring yourself back because like you said we all you know veer now and again I mean life is never you know straight and it, it's hills and valleys, but you you hope that you're not kind of doing one of these and going up and down, right? And it sounds like you're able to sort of take in your clients and say, okay, I'm going to simplify this for you. This is how we're going to do it. Now, you talked about self-love and loving yourself. 
I need to know from the expert, what's one thing that you do to show yourself love? Well, I often say, you know, self-care is the practice and self-love is the feeling. So just really doing that work for myself, putting myself first um, in that practice, but also moment by moment, being mindful of where my thoughts are towards myself and what, what that narrative is and being kind and compassionate to myself. And I think through that process of kindness and compassion to self, I'm able to project that more out into the world. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's part of that. It's also part of noticing when it's little Brian who's, who's responding to a situation. Why am, why is that particular person able to create that trigger within me where suddenly, you know, I may go, I may become withdrawn or maybe I'll become angry or something happens. And just to be able to create enough space to sit with that long enough to say, Hey, you know, I'm here, you know, for, for myself. And, and because there's different parts of myself that are still there, it's still in my body. And, and so I think just that compassion, just that, that kindness and really the awareness of that is that, that feeling. And, and over time, you know, it, it starts to expand, it starts to expand a little bit more. And, and, you know, I find myself being much more kind to myself and giving myself grace when I need to, when I'm not at my best. I love that, you know, Brian, and our first, uh, which which we invited you uh, to be a part of, our first publication is on self-care. And uh, when you touched on, you know, self-care and sort of showing your self-love, and then now you're talking about something that I think we can do five podcasts about, um, is the fact that you talk about how, what your narrative is and how we talk to ourselves. And so many times, I mean, I have to sometimes, and, and this has also been years of practice, actually catch myself when I get into the negative. I'm like, why am I, like, I wouldn't say that to my worst enemy. Why am I speaking to myself like that? Because we really are in our own mind the narrator in our life. And, you know, when people are like, oh, I'm so stupid, I can't believe I did that. That's subconsciously still sending a message, right? Or if you're like, oh, I look fat in this or whatever the case, however people self, negative self talk. So I love the fact that you brought that to the forefront because it's such, and and I'd love to do another podcast with you on that because the way we speak to ourselves is so important, is it not? Yeah, absolutely is. And and sometimes we tell that same story that we were telling ourselves when we when we were very young. And it's literally our thoughts repeated that become our beliefs. And so it's so important to become aware of those thoughts. And, you know, we're just wired for survival. I mean, you hear Tony say this all the time. I mean, 60,000 thoughts a day, most are, are actually negative biased and they repeat day over day. So it's so important to have that mindful awareness, to notice when that dialogue comes up and say, whoa, 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 is this, is this true? You know, just even that question can put a stop to it for a moment where you can start to shift the narrative and, and then actually, you know, begin to substitute some of these things. There's other techniques that you can do to start to change that narrative, change the story that you tell to yourself when you're by yourself. I love that. And you know what, Um, when, when I was taking on new clients, which I'm not anymore, but Uh, one of the things that I would give my clients or the first few things I'd give my clients is, you know, a Sharpie and uh, one of the sticky notes and a journal. And they're like, I get the journal, don't understand the sticky notes. And I said, every day you're going to start off with I am, and it has Mm -hmm. to be positive. And so I want you to put it all over the mirror. You brush your teeth, you put on your makeup, you do your hair, whatever you do. 
because even subconsciously as you're brushing your teeth, not that you're you know, I want them to always read it, but they still see it. And scientifically it's been proven to rewire certain things in your brain, which I find so incredibly interesting. And, you know, like you, you talk a lot in um, your materials and whatnot about things that are science-based. This is not, you know, I think when um, yoga and mindfulness and coaching and everything sort of first came to, um, you know, I guess I'm going to say more popular, let's just say that maybe two decades ago, um, people kind of thought, oh, it's hokey. It's not, you know, science-based. It's not whatever. Now we've got all the science and the reason, like there was, oh, it was always to me evidence-based because there's certain cultures that that's even how they healed the sick. You can't explain that away. Right. And now we've added science to it. So a lot more people kind of believe in it, but you've seen miracles happen. I mean, just your story alone is phenomenal. And I know, and obviously all your clients and same with myself. So why do you think people are, there's some people that, that are sort of still hesitant to do this for themselves? Is it time? Is it disbelief? What do you think? I think for a lot of people, when they take a look inside, um, they're afraid of what they may see. And there's, we have shadows, we have stuff and it's, you know, meditation and mindfulness is like deeply revolutionary. It's not a comfortable practice necessarily. And so I feel that a lot of people have a fear of, of that or the, just the fear of change, but it's usually a fear I, I, of some sort that seems to be, um, you know, if they have the time, if they, you know, if they want to do this, but then they don't like what they see or they don't have the tools to necessarily deal with that. So I just urge people to, you know, just be open. And, and it, again, this isn't a, this isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. It becomes part of who you are. It's, it's a, it's a practice for life, but it's so important to shine light into those shadows to see what's there. And, and, you know, you have to feel to heal. And, and so what we Ooh, resist like persists, that. right? So we have you need to, a t-shirt. I need a, you need <laughs> to feel to heal. I love that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, in mindfulness, we just, you know, we teach about curiosity, openness and acceptance, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, because typically we love to push away and suppress and avoid the negative and the dark stuff. And we love to we love the good things. Of course, we lean into that, but all of it is there. So we have to learn how to to, to breathe through all of it. So you think part of it is uh, people, you know, when they look in the mirror or when they start to unpack, it, it's scary if you don't have the tools for sure. But I feel like even with stuff that you put on your social, for example, which we're going to include all in um, the description below, but I feel like there's so much out there. And, and I'll just talk about yours for a moment that people can learn from because of the internet right and because we have access to almost everything and of course they can hire you oh two questions i got to talk to you about your retreat um but you know there's so much information out there so maybe people aren't even ready to talk about it or they don't know how so i love the fact that you're making it you're simplifying it but you're also saying you got to do the work cuz it, it it is work and you know i think as human beings our natural instinct is like is a, is to survive and when you know the brain feels something uncomfortable or scary it's that fight or flight mode right and a lot of people are like see ya, i'm out of here and then i think the stronger people or the people that have the tools and the support and the love 
Um, and, you know, really, it's the I talk about the love for yourself. And you also talked about gratitude, um, which I think these are all gifts that are given to you. Once you start all of these practices, it's you can't be upset when you're living in gratitude, you can't be anxious, or depressed, because when you're living in gratitude, you're sort of full up, right? Absolutely. Gratitude's a practice as well. I mean, I always tell people, we all know that one person who shows up and they're way up here. They're always positive and, and like, oh, man, another, another one's wired the same. We we are not a blank canvas. No. But gratitude is a practice as well. And like, like over a decade ago, Oprah, Oprah watching Oprah, and she's sharing her, uh, her just her tip, write five things you're grateful for. I mean, I have notebooks, notebooks and notebooks full. It's kind of fun to go back and see where my head was at I, years ago. But <laughs> But, yeah. um, but just writing those things down, then really feeling that and that literally rewires the brain as well, that it's not just a a, a social construct. It actually is uh, amenable to neuroplasticity, meaning you rewire your brain through the practice of gratitude. And, and as you said, you know, when you're feeling grateful, you're not in a state of fear or shame or worry or guilt where we get stuck oftentimes. Absolutely. So two quick questions I'm going to ask you. And then sadly, we have to say goodbye. Yeah. What does it mean to you to be unbreakable? That's a great question. I think it means to be resilient and to be able to overcome any obstacle. There's always going to be obstacles. And I think it really comes down to never giving up. I think you have to have faith. I think you have to have belief. And I think you have to do the work as well to become resilient, to become unbreakable. And, and, I, and I love that term so much. Thank you. Well, and I think, you know, People probably look at you and say, oh, you know, this guy's Superman and whatever. I know a lot of times people will say the same thing to me. And I just listen to them because they usually need to vent. And then I just say, you know, the reason I'm this way is because I've been broken, but not once, not five times, maybe 25 times. Would you say that that's sort of for you too? Because you talk about your answer was sort of resilience and, you know, the knowledge to, you know, go through the fact that you got to go through obstacles regardless, but don't you think it's like, there's some people that have sort of had life pretty easy. Right. And then when something tragic happens, it's like, oh my gosh, like the whole, everything's kind of over. So don't you think that human suffering is just sort of a, and tragedy is a part of life? I, I think it is. And, and, mindfulness is they call liberation from suffering but i mean we have to embrace suffering and as you mentioned with the cold plunge and do hard things intentionally because we're such creatures of comfort so that resilience comes from doing hard things and from putting ourselves outside of our comfort zone and for facing our fears and our shadows and and not avoiding those you know as i as i mentioned just leaning into the good because you know they're Whenever things are going really, really well, and you know, I'm very much of an optimist and very positive, but I know something else is coming around the corner, yep. and I'm going to embrace it because that's a lesson. The universe is giving me everything I need to evolve to become stronger, so bring it, and and I'm I'm ready for that. And and uh, if I'm not, then I've got people around me. You build, you know, you build everything. But the idea is, when you get knocked down, you got to get back up and keep moving forward. Yeah, and you know what? That is such. It's so uh, the words of wisdom that you have, but also it's inspirational to to say, you know what, it's not going to be all rainbows and unicorns. You can have all this, you know, in front of you and all the teachings and the coaches and whatever, but sometimes you're going to 
fall, but I love the fact that you just brought community or your family, your friends, whoever your people are, you're like, then I have people in place. And it doesn't matter if you're battling with addiction or depression or anxiety or whatever the case may be, you've built that community around you like almost like a safety net. And I like the fact that you brought it to the table because suffering is going to happen. And things like you said, I know there's another one around the corner. There is, right? It's just, you know, you're going to lose loved ones. You're going to say goodbye to certain people you care for. Things are going to happen. It's just, it's, it's life, but it's what you do with that. That really makes the difference, I think is what you're saying. Which brings me to my exciting question. Can you tell us a little bit about your retreat? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this retreat is called Rewire Retreat. So essentially, it's based on um, what I do. Uh, in the retreats, it's a journey. It's it's. Uh, I like to create a, a safe place where people can come. And we go through a, a series of practices, but it starts with an intention. I want people to come and have an intention for what they want to either gain, let go of, but be very clear about that. And, and I usually help people find clarity with that if they don't know already before they come. And we start slow. We start to open things up. We op I open the circle. It's a very traditional type thing. And, you know, I, I collaborate with other people. I've got uh, um, other people that come depending on what what we're doing. But uh, in this case, I've got some, some help uh, in the medicine area as well, in the plant medicine area. So we're going to be doing breath work, meditation, body movement, cold, um, journaling, sharing. I'm going to be, you know, I, I'm a musician as well. So we're going to be creating some uh, sound bath experience with others, um, doing a ceremony. But the idea is that people can come really trying to go as tech free as possible as well. We'll try to keep the phones in a certain part of the, uh, of the facility, but really have a place where people can come. They can be open. They can share and come through that with a real reset to come back into their life with their intention really kind of realized oftentimes. So, or sometimes in these experiences, people are shown something else that they may not have realized or been aware of somehow. So the idea is just to create a spot where in this crazy world where people can come do all these practices and, and leave on a much uh, higher vibration, let's say, than they came. I love, I, I love it. And I, I also really appreciate the fact that you say a safe space because so many times people are, I'm so private. I can't have this person know, or, you know, for my investigation business, a lot of people are like, you know, my husband or wife doesn't even know this or my best friend or my mother. And so you're saying like, this is a safe space. We're all, you know, battling something, going through something, trying to better ourselves, but it is a reset button. And the really neat thing that you keep saying over and over is that you get to push the reset button if you so choose to, by the sounds of it, regardless of obstacles. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard to do that sometimes because we really hold on. You know, we always hear the term all the time, like surrender and letting go. It's so easy to say that, but so difficult to do that, you know, and, and what I love about these retreats as well is I just love being, you know, we work so remotely, like, you know, I, I would, I would love to be sitting with you right now and, you know, to exactly. feel that energetically, but in that space, you're sometimes it's a group of complete strangers that are literally like family at the end of those, those weekends. And they're, and they make contacts for life going forward. You see these people spending time and vacationing together afterwards. And it's just that. beautiful connecting people together and raising the, uh, the collective consciousness. 
That's amazing. And so again, if P so I, I do have, I have many questions about the retreat because I'm super interested in attending. Um, but how how big is the retreat? And then my other question is going to be, we're going to include it in the description below. How can they get in touch with you or register or find out more information? But first of all, how big is the retreat going to be? Do you find smaller groups work better for you? Yeah, uh, this is this is this one is actually filled out. Although there'd be a spot for you if you wanted to come, but uh, it's only ten people, and we've got. Um, I'm partnered with a company called Zenosphere, who manages the. They have beautiful facilities and and incredible cuisine and plant based food or whatever people want. So they they manage all of that. So I can just you know be with the be with the people in the in the activities. That's um, yeah. So that so. Sorry, I, I didn't mean, I was just saying like, I love that because, you know, and, and not to, you know, take away from Tony or anything like that. His events are powerful and whatever, but I could never imagine doing work at one of his events, like the work that you're doing, which needs that close community, the the serenity, the calm. And like you said, I love the fact that the electronics are away uh and because we never live without right uh just the day and age we're in uh and you're giving people that space so wow and you and i are going to talk about the retreat uh, afterwards after all this but is it is it something you're going to do on a regular basis or do you do it on a regular basis yeah i have been doing it so this is something i've had an intention to do for a while and for the last three years i've been collaborating with people um to to create these uh i'm going to be opening up at my own property, uh, a lakefront property um, in the next maybe two years or so. This was all kind of an experiment to see how it felt, but I really think people need this. Uh, there's some incredible models that are working very well now where people can come. They have a beautiful space they can be at in nature and have a chance to do all these practices and just really let go of the patterns of their day-to-day -day life for just a moment, really bring that childlike curiosity, have some fun too. Uh, and again, I, in a safe place where we've got a structure, we have, there's an intention. We're not just there to just to have fun. We're there to do some of this work as well and have people go back to their lives with a very, very different perspective. So that, that's the vision I have for that. Super exciting. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me, Brian. Big love, big hugs to you and everything you do. I can't wait to hear what you're going to do next. Thank you so much, Adrian. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.